This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome to the My Own Man Said Podcast, it's something for the weekend time. Joining me, the man who stood next to me the last time I was at Villa Park, to see Bruce Springsteen, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello, hello. Are you good? Yeah, that, that Springsteen concert feels like, we were just saying, uh, like decades ago. It does feel like a long time ago. Probably not decades, June, probably. June, wasn't it? I suppose it was the, because the season finished in the end, right at the end of May, yeah. we had sort of all of June, all of July and a fair chunk of august it feels like as well yeah are you looking forward to going back i am weather forecast looks pretty good i was looking forward to going in the whole suite for a nice pre-match half but no not anymore oh oh you have a half do you i do have a half you know <laughs> me david i don't really drink but i'll have a yeah i noticed a, a half on that uh, drinks bill that we racked up yeah sorry uh... about that <laughs> taking the piss and that's good because the, uh, the monetary <laughs> value went, you. <laughs> went to other people so that was all good yeah don't waste free drinks on me yeah thank you uh, again to the moms members match club members for joining us yep. at the malt house in birmingham which of course is a Green King pub and we are pleased to announce that this season of Something for the Weekend on the My Old Man Said podcast is brought to you by Green King Sport where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Villa fixture over the 23-24 season and with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK it doesn't matter whether you're based in Birmingham or Brighton you can catch every single minute of the action. Keep an eye out during the season for events, offers, content and competition that put you closer to the action. It was a good afternoon and evening, despite the result last week. But hopefully the result of this game will be superior, shall we say. 6-1 to Villa. (laughs) Yeah, we've got to claw back some goal difference. The sooner we can do that, the better, or else we're going to be bottom of the league for a long time. If we don't pick up any points. But we've been there before. We feel it's this is our comfort zone, being bottom of the Premier League. We're well versed in it, so uh, onwards and upwards. After the first day. 
Right, so something for the weekend. It's not the main show, so we're just going to catch up uh, on things. But also in the threat room, where we have a look at the opposition, we have got a guest from Everton Channel Falcon Blues TV. The Falcon is actually a pub in Kirby, which uh, Dave Johnson, who joins us later on in the show, his brother, is it? His brother-in-law runs, but they also do coaches for away games and everything. So very much in the heart of the uh, Everton fan community so as well as the as the game in hand it'll be a good opportunity to catch up on what exactly is happening uh, at Everton and I do mention the term blood sacrifice to him so we will see his reaction to that as well but more of that to come shortly but in the meantime we're still waiting for Emery to do his press conference I it's dragging uh, it out today bloody late we are Fridaying makes we're me wonder who's injured now yeah, I think they're trying to work out how to break this to the fan base after the Buendia Mings double whammy. Or is it because they're si- they're announcing a signing? Ooh. Yeah, it's in- intriguing, Zaniola. It's almost a uh, case study in himself. I mean, it's kind of cut from the same cloth as your Carbonis, your Decanios, your Ravenelli's. It's that kind of Italian madman or genius type character which Italy does throw up every so often and he's somebody who uh, Capello once said uh, was a future Ballon d'Or <laughs> winner but two ACLs maybe slowed that process down well he was meant to be the the, the totty replacement at Roma which is a pretty big statement but uh, yeah Roma fans wouldn't agree with what happened after that not but, exactly no. uh, but his best moments have been post his injuries that is a, a plus sign but I think it sounds like there's been a bit of a rigorous medical on him they'd have to be now this is really the turning point of his career really he has an opportunity to kind of get back on the path of the expectation that he was courting uh, when he was say 21 years old he's 24 now so uh, we shall see but he did wonders in the uh, the conference league it's almost i mean i keep saying this People like kind of jumped to wrong conclusions on social media when I mentioned this. When I said, con- I mean, it was a, a Star Wars reference. So it was kind of a joke in the first place when I said, concentrate all firepower on the Europa Conference League, which is Admiral Akbar, if uh, for those who know what I'm talking about. But it's a case of some key injuries. I mean, we're missing, uh, I mean, we said on the other show, we're, we're down six players from the team that beat Newcastle 3 0. Obviously, one of those was uh, Ashley Young, but five injuries. Two of them real sparks of why we got into the European uh, picture going forward in terms of Moreno and Ramsey. And then you were looking at Ming. Ming's playing is the best football of his career, I think. Definitely, definitely, especially at Villa. Was off to the Euros, etc. And then Buendia was somebody, when you saw him in pre-season, you thought, hey, hello, this, if he... We know there's so much more to come from him, and if he delivers more consistency, and he's always a, is a pleasure to watch anyway. I mean, he's he's, yeah. he's an interesting watch, isn't he? Yeah, always can be frustrating, but also can be uh, give you some great moments. So I mentioned this on social media about uh, these injuries and how it kind of compromises potentially where we're going to finish in, in the Premier League. And people were saying, "Oh, you know, how how can you say that after one game?" It's like it's not uh, Newcastle results immaterial. It's like look at the squad. Ramsey's not there. Moreno. Mar- is not there. Mings, Buendia are out for the whole season. These are two players you're kind of relying on. And then you start to look at some of the players that we've been buying and you look at our manager and these, you know, you've got Torres, he's won the Europa League. You've got Carlos, he's won the Europa League. There's plenty of players also with European experience. And then you've got Emery who knows how to uh, win Europa Leagues and, you know, the conferences are let's say a lesser version of that and even like you know, the lad Acuna from uh, Sevilla who's 
you know, they sort of was being yeah. reported as well. You know, another one sort of cut from that mould. And, you know, Telemans has played Champions League football and Europa League as well. And Moreno as well. Yeah, with, with Betis. You got Martinez for uh, Arsenal. Arsenal. Bailey has played Champions League and he's played 27 times Europa League games. Luca Dean, 23 Champions League games. And then Traore, surprisingly, has played uh, 22 Europa League games, 15 Champions League games. And uh, Kamara as well, semi final Conference League, he's Champions, Champions League, League as well. well. And Diaby as well. So if we're going to be struggling, and a lot of these players haven't had hardly any Premier League experience. So you're looking, that's why I'm saying it might compromise where we thought we might, we thought we would be the dark horse to attack. This still may happen, of course. You know, when people say it's only one game, it is only one game. But when you're looking at the squad, you're feeling a bit different. But when you look at our who's still fit and their European experience, you're looking at the Conference League and you're thinking, oh, come on, it's ours to win. And then you're thinking... If we finish in the league, to finish fifth or sixth in the league is going to be a a real battle and you're going to need players fit. You can't be losing your main guys to ACLs and expect to comfortably finish fifth or sixth. It's going to be hard. You saw what happened with Liverpool last year. You know, they they had big players and they're, let's be honest, a better side than us. And and they only had a push in the last 10 because they probably were a little bit fortunate with their fixtures, but the injuries had derailed their season. They got players back as well. Yeah. So... That's how hard it is. And what do you get when you finish fifth or sixth? You get in the Europa League. Conference League, who's the main threat to Villa there? Turkish teams are always feisty. I'm not dismissing them at all. Frankfurt. Then you've got Eintracht Frankfurt. Osasuna, who, let's face it, they're not hardly vintage Spanish team. And Hibs. <laughs> yeah. So, you and what do you win? What do you get if you win that trophy? Europa You're in the Europa League. Same result as finishing fifth or sixth. Somebody said to me, you know, when I said concentrate all firepower, which is halfly a joke, but it's also it's saying this is, you know, this is our back. I actually said it's our backup plan. The league doesn't go so great because of all these injuries. We've got a nice, we've set ourselves up from our efforts last season to get where we wanted to go. I mean, we'd love to be in the Champions League, but if we, I think most people would settle for fifth or sixth at this moment and consider it progress. But to get to that, we, we've got a nice little back door. And somebody said to me, oh, look what happened to West Ham. And and it's like concentrating on the conference. It's like, look what happened to West Ham as if they kind of failed. It's like, well, they won a trophy, which we haven't done since 96. And they qualified for the Europa League, as did Liverpool, Brighton. I wouldn't mind what happened to West Ham to happen to us. I mean, if we finished on 40 points and, you know, didn't get relegated and won the Conference League and qualified for the Europa League and then suddenly all these players were fit again next season. That's not a bad season. It's not an ideal season, but it's not a bad season because if you finish on 56 points and 40, it's not much difference and what, what you've, you've got a few more quid from where you finish in the league. But ultimately, uh, it's about winning things and, and uh, staying in Europe, really. I think it's all about winning things this year. Yeah. If someone had asked me a while ago, like, would you take a top 10 finish and winning a trophy? I'm like, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because you define your club by what you win, and it's been far too long. You know, we showed we could do it in the league last year, and that was a big achievement. Now the big achievement is you've got to define that by actually winning it or winning something. But anyway, in terms of this game, I mean, it's, some people have said it's the perfect game after uh, Newcastle. First of all, because it's a Villa Park and we've won our last seven at home. 
So this is where we're we're basically setting up our stall for what's going to happen this season is if we've got to continue, let's say, decent home form. And we're unbeaten against Everton in the past eight Premier League meetings, home and away. Yeah, since we got promoted. They, the last time they won at Villa Park was the season we got relegated. Pretty much everybody beat us uh, at Villa Park, apart from Crystal Palace. And Man City. <laughs> Manchester City, yeah. <laughs> There's probably some others, but I can't remember. I'm too tired. I think the the, the loss against Fulham probably uh, a little bit deceptive. Everton had a lot of chances in that game. They yeah. were very, very wasteful in front of goal. I mean, Leno was man of the match as well. But their problem, as we will find out speaking to uh, Dave Johnson, is their, just their personnel at the moment. They haven't got a team that, uh, ex- or the way they play as a team, never mind individuals, that really... Uh, gives you fear factor but Calvert-Lewin we, we were listening to the uh, Sean Deitch press conference just because we like the sound of his voice really but Pure uh, gravel. Calvert-Lewin will be featuring at some stage of well, the game through, yeah he got through 90 minutes didn't he on sort of Tuesday against Man U behind closed doors so he'll he will feature yeah. you'd think he'll probably start even if he doesn't last the whole game I think they might go early because he I did allude so. to when he, they were talking about Emery obviously wanting a response from what happened in Newcastle. They're obviously wanting a response, losing their first home game. And uh, he did, he said to quote Joe Royal, in such games, get your revenge in first. Good way of putting it. Or your retribution. So, yeah. Because he knows that Villa come out of the traps at Villa Park fast. So he's not going to be like, oh, we'll bring on Calvert-Lewin for the last 20 minutes. I mean, that's the normal play, isn't it, when you're bringing somebody back? Yeah, when you're easing, think, easing him back. But but if he's played that amount of time against United and behind closed doors, then I think he'll throw him on and they'll go for it. And Because they don't want to get 2-0 down after 20 minutes, do they? Well, they want to get a, they want to give themselves something to hold on to. Yeah, I think they'll try to strike first, as he as he alluded to there. It's as simple as that. In terms of how Villa are going to be setting up, uh, the big question is the defence. And I th- think it will. Do you think it will be a straight swap, Torres for Mings? For now, yeah, I think it'll be Torres for me. I don't think he'll want to change like massively yet. But I mean, as as we spoke with Dave, the obvious weakness uh, is we're losing Mings's ability, and in, and of all the games, this is an opponent. With Tarkowski and Keane, they're going to be very much focusing on set pieces. And just Torres and Konza is not a dominating centre-back no. pairing in the air. And I think if Villa have to, A, make sure they don't concede uh, set pieces in and around the box and you know give away as less corners as possible. And that, that's, the, that's the first starting rung of winning this game because... It's obviously what Deitch is going to go for here. When he when he heard the Ming's news, he'd have gone, "Oh, okay, here we go." Well, it gives you like a focal point to attack, you know. Especially, I mean, we've obviously got a couple of guys who were back training this week, but the the injuries, and we're nowhere near having our sort of you know, you know, a heavy hitter like Everton are having back. I think you know, Traore's trained with the side this week. Duran's trained with the side. Moreno's close to being back, but other than that, you are without all these guys that you know were so good towards the end of the last season. Like you would have liked to have had someone like a Moreno back for this game or a Ramsey. On the topic of physicality and how they're going to approach it, this is one of those tests. I mean, we've got another one with Burnley coming up. And even potentially the Hibs, you know, the European game. This is where you find out what it is to be Mingsless. Yes. Emery's just done his press conference. So just before we go on to the threat meeting with Dave Johnson from the Everton Falcons Blue TV, just see what if he said anything exciting. 
exciting. <sighs> We've analysed the match. We've analysed it deeply. I bet they have. <laughs> with the players. This is the Newcastle game. We have to improve some things that we did really bad. But playing the first match away, playing the first match against Newcastle, playing the match with wishes to win the first three points, one of our analyses is that now Newcastle are better than us overall. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Congratulations on that, finding that out. We have to continue finding our way and finding our objective, and now we can face only the match we are playing against Everton. He says they played very well uh, against Fulham at home, but they lost... Blah, blah, blah. Talking about being realistic, even though you're critical of ourselves. I mean, you know, as as we've said before, you, you only have to look at what they did against Spurs last season when they blitzed them in the first half to understand what we were facing if we weren't on our A game and suddenly, you know, you're getting injuries like that. You're not taking, the, there was a couple of decent chances. So ultimately, that's why it swung and then it, we lost control of the game, really. It'll be an interesting one to see if if he how sort of front foot he, th- he wants to be in terms of he's maybe thinking well our defence isn't quite at it so maybe we need to be positive and similar to Everton you kind of yeah. go for the win rather than all sort of you know all controlling and be very steady it might pay to actually just sort of go for the go for the throat from yeah the, I think from you, the you might see what happened in that preseason uh, in America start to pan out where we were scoring but we we're also shipping goals. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, time for the threat meeting. And this time we're we're getting some inside information on Everton. Dave Johnson from Falcon Blue TV joins us. Welcome. Good afternoon. Hope everyone's okay. You're named after your pub, aren't you? We are, yeah. Uh, The Falcon is the, well, the Falcon pub in Kirby. So it's owned by my brother-in-laws and uh, a few other Evertonians. So we've sort of piggybacked on that. Are you like a match day pub? Yeah, um, but we'll have the games on where legal. Yeah. And then we've got a coach that goes to every away game. Jay, who's one of the landlords, runs the coaches to take every fan who wants to go to join our coaches. And all over the country, all over Europe, 
gotcha. when, when allowing. Right. Um, or, you know, what do you mean, do you mean all over Europe? Europe? What are you talking about? <laughs> when, when we're playing in friendlies in Austria and stuff oh, like okay. that, as far as it goes. I was going to say, uh, we, we might need some spare coaches, hopefully, uh, so we'll, we'll give you a call. Yeah, definitely. But when I say Europe, I'm probably meaning somewhere like Guernsey or something like oh, that. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure Jersey. that at the moment. <laughs> I'll start with something... Uh, it may, it may interest you. Uh, you may be disgusted by it. I have these meetings. Uh, it's like the f- fan advisory board or consultation group, mm-hmm. whatever they call it, this week. And uh, it was with our former CEO, uh, Christian Persley, who you'll obviously remember from uh, Liverpool. Yeah. He was talking about Villa's long-term problem, and that's like breaking this kind of top six and top four. and Because the owners want to be in the Champions League in terms of uh, Villa's real aim. And uh, he was talking about the frustrations of financial fair play. Obviously, we're restricted what we can uh, spend. And then you've got the situation where you've got Newcastle, Manchester City. And this is a problem which uh, probably needs a change in the rules. And he said, and this is obviously the relegation battle last season. He, he said it's probably going to take need a big club to get relegated, which might happen this season. And he was talking about last season. Mm-hmm. There's a particular club that if they did get relegated, they're in serious danger of administration. And because it's like a, a, a well-known big club, then the Premier League might actually start to think about changing the rules on this, the whole situation and you know trying to make it a bit more of an even playing field. So reading between the lines, he was basically saying Everton are a blood sacrifice mm-hmm. to uh, make the Premier League a better place. <laughs> no, I, I suppose that probably sounds about right. I mean... But what 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 is your situation? Uh, looking from the outside, you're thinking, yeah, if you did go down last season, obviously new stadium and everything, it's probably the worst time, and you you would be in the shit. I think that's the easiest way to say it, isn't it? If we'd have gone down, we were in the shit. But I think if we'd have gone down, there'd have been absolutely no way we were coming back up. I think the the powers that be that are currently at Everton, they, they it's a, it's it's almost like the Doug Ellis. Randy yeah. Lane situations that you have had over the years, you know, yeah. the, these these people now have come in with all the best intentions in the world, but your time is up and you need to be out of this club because you are just a poison now and you are just, you're giving us nothing. You're not allowing us to, to grow. There's no development within the club. There's no development commercially and things like that. But if Everton had gone down, like you say, they wouldn't have come back up. And I think we'd have, We'd have probably been, I think we'd have been at the mercy of the championship and the EFL, I think, because yeah. I think they're a lot more stringent and a lot more, they do the job, don't they, effectively? It's like, well, if you haven't got money, then you shouldn't be in the league sort of thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, Villa were really frustrated uh, at a board level with the championship. They, I mean, personally, I just thought they were uh, incompetent clowns, but... Uh... But I think that's just from the the frustration of not being able to obviously spend a way out of that league easily. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it, this is such a weird one with Everton because I know it was almost like the the way the last couple of seasons have gone, and I know Everton have been absolutely toilet for the last two seasons, but it was almost like the league wanted us to go. And like you said, it's that blood sacrifice. It's like it's almost like the league were like, listen, just fucking get relegated, will you, so we can just get back to normal. So we yeah. Can, no, I, I mean, because Villa, Villa fans, have, I mean, you constantly see on social media where people will say Everton just remind us of us, like, yeah. uh, you know, before just, we went yeah, down, you're like swish, swish, swimming around the plug hole. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, we were, we couldn't pay our tax bill. This is going into the third year in the championship. And, you know, we were 
in we were on our knees. I mean, the owners came in because they got Villa at a very dirt cheap price, and obviously there was a lot of upside if the if they were serious and they could get it right. But there is that thing where your owners, as you just said, they come in with good intentions, as Lerner did, but then what happen happens, and then suddenly they're in this weird position where their heart's not in it anymore. Not necessarily bad people, but it's hard to get out, and then somebody to come in uh, at, at this kind of level of uh, Premier League football. It's it's not an easy passing. No, no. Yeah, I mean, I think what the the ideal world is for someone to come in with the experience of being in a Premier League side that has established itself, that is making money, that is efficient, and things like that. And they, they they're just not about. It. I mean, we've we're looking at American investment now. Yeah, with the MSP and the Seven Seven Group, and if you look at that that Seven 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 Group with other clubs, they don't want them anywhere near their club anymore. So it's like, well, you're out of out of the frying pan into the fire with 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 your decisions. Yeah. But, you know, I think Everton's situation here is we, we're not skint. We're just hamstrung with how we can spend the money. We, could, we can't, I mean, we can't spend 50, 60 million on a player. It's just unheard of without actually selling off the crown jewels. And I'm talking the likes of Richarlison or someone like that here. Yeah. Richarlison's had to go to make way for two, three additional players, which wasn't the, what well, it, it, it left a foul taste in a lot of Evertonians' mouths because of it, because. You know, you you're selling off your prize asset and bringing in, you know, Neil Mopé. You brought in um, Dwight McNeil, who picked up towards the end of the season, but then you paid thirty odd million for an unproven player like Amadou Onana. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's probably not the way to spend your money. You know, so you just don't... just to sum up your just to bring us up to speed on your your transfer window. You know, how do you kind of rate it, and how how are you as a team compared to the one that finished last season? Well, we look at you look at the players who have gone, and you, it, it's mainly the likes of players who were on the fringes of the, the first team anyway. The likes of Tom Davis, who's now gone to Sheffield United, uh, Yeni Mina, Connor Cody, who was on loan, who we, and we didn't take up his um, take up the deal to to pay four million for him, and he's yeah. gone on to Leicester. Yeni Mina, who was probably a big catalyst towards the end of the season and keeping us up. But was on one hundred and twenty thousand pound a week and was barely playing. You know, he's barely gone into double figures last season of games. I think if you keep him fit, yeah, you'll get games out of him. He's probably going to get a better time at Italy because the game's a bit slower. Yeah, but we haven't really lost anyone to say that. Well, actually, we're we're in a worse position because we've only lost players who weren't really weren't in the team. We're only in and around around the side. Uh, bit part players and things like that. We've just got players there now who are just on stupid wages who aren't even playing. The yeah. likes of Gomez, the likes of uh, Jean-Philippe Gabamon. All these players who you probably can't remember even played for Everton. I, I, know I, I take it these players are like the Angelotti kind of time. It's Ancelotti and even going back to Koeman, Yeah, you know, with, with Andre Gomez, he's been at the club for, you know, five, six years now and it's, you know, he's never been the same since that that ankle injury um, against Spurs. But because that period was your, it, it was a good, it was, it was a good period. An attempt at getting Everton to where they wanted to be, basically, wasn't it? And, and that's a problem when you're paying the money on wages. If it does backfire and it and it isn't sustained, then you're then you've got a problem. This is it. I mean, we got bit in the arse big time for the the money we were paying, the money we were paying in wages. I mean, you look at. I know he's no longer at the club again. Like Gilfie Sigurdsson paid forty-five yeah. million pounds for him when no one else wanted him. He was still at Swansea, and we were going, "Well, we'll, we'll give you forty-five million." It's like we probably don't need to offer that kind of money, but we did it anyway. We give him one hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week, and then everyone else wanted parity for his wages and stuff like that. 
And then we said, oh, we'll just we'll just throw money at it. You know, we bought five number 10s. We bought Davy Class and Wayne Rooney. I was like, well, these are players we probably didn't need and we probably should have been a bit more clever. You know, if you're going to break the bank, you go and buy a, a recognised striker, which we still didn't do. And we, we just went about it all wrong. And that's why we're getting bit on the arse with financial fair play now. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's get into the game. I think you're playing Villa at a good time. But uh, one thing that, some fans have been saying it's like thank god we've got Everton at home uh, after what happened against Newcastle and obviously our injuries because we've done pretty well against you uh, I think the last time we lost was in our relegation season 2016 yeah yeah me, me and Chris were just saying that 2016 when we won 3-1 at Villa Park but then yeah. we've done a lot since you know and but how, how do you look at Villa now overall after last season the way you've you picked yourselves up and you've pushed towards that European spot was just it was it was just a phenomenal turnaround of fortune for you, and I thought that's what Everton need to be emulating. Yeah. You know, the likes of the likes of yourselves, the likes of Brighton, as a club. You know that that's the kind of stuff you want to emulate. You want to be you know working in and around your finances. You want to be picking up players on the cheap and selling them for you know big bucks. But then you just the way Villa were playing as well. You were picking up results when no one else was, yeah. and that was that was a period where Everton were like, well, Everton should be picking up these results. You know, we're playing the likes of Bournemouth and not getting anything out of it. We're playing Southampton and getting beat at home. We're playing Fulham and getting beaten, beaten at home. Games that should be well within your your reach and it should be a banker in, in some cases. And we just weren't doing it. I mean, you know, obviously looking at the team sheet against Fulham, you've got Malpai up front, which I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Evertonians would argue he's not good enough for the Premier League as your main striker. I mean, what, what's the situation with Calvert-Lewin? Is he finished in your eyes? or I, th- I think he's he now, he now needs to become second choice striker we're we're playing in this period now where you know we literally like the season before last in Frank Lampard's first season we threw all our eggs in the in the Dominic Carver-Lewin basket and said okay he's going to be our main striker we don't need another striker or we just need a backup and again that's another thing that just bitters in the arse we lost Carver-Lewin for massive parts of the season relying on Richarlison to pull goals out of his arse and <laughs> what's happening, you know? I mean, he was like, like some circus trick. <laughs> yeah, if only. But but you know what I mean. And then we've got we've gone into the last season and we've done exactly the same. And we brought in Neil Mopai for fifteen million. I, I can't remember who we were after instead of him. I think it was a, there was a couple of lads. I think there was a Mohamed Kudus who was after actually going on to who's linked with West Ham at the moment. I think if they hadn't sold Anthony to. Um, Man United, he was coming to Everton. So th- there's all these things that have affected Everton as a as a strike force. You know, even the Dan Juma deal, where yeah. he decided actually I'd, I'd sooner go sit on my arse at Spurs for six months and take the coin rather than you know fight in a relegation battle and stuff like that. So and then and then he's and then he just wound up at Everton. It's almost like a last chance saloon for him. But Everton, a bit like now, Ashley Young. Well. <laughs> I, 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 everyone was like, oh, we're picking up another 38-year-old. And it's like, well, actually, the experience of Ashley Young, he's probably one of the fitter te- players in the team. And yeah, just I mean, I'm, I'm joking about Ashley Young. I mean, Ashley Young, uh, the first season he came back, people mm. were like, um, and an ring at the start of the season. you know, And he, and he did well. And you're thinking, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's good for another season, 100%. And he had a great season. He was probably our player of the year last season as long as a club thinks deems him fit then then I think he's an asset I think Villa were just starting to think well we're going to be trying to crack that top six properly and you know we probably uh, we need something else rather than a, a, than a 38 year old they're probably starting to look forward but 
to be honest, they haven't replaced him yet. Yeah, I mean, me and Chris was talking about that before when I said like, it's like when Everton signed Gareth Barry. Yeah, do you know what I mean, it's that professionalism. It's it's that knowledge. It's that it's that background. You know, he's, he's done it at United. He's done it at Inter. He's done it at Villa. Yeah. And, you know, you you know what you're going to get from Ashley Young. He's, he's always been that player who is reliable more than anything. I mean, even when he was, when he moved from from an attacking sense, moving further back down the pitch, but he still had that brain, he still had that pace, he still had that... that and it's exactly what you need when, when your club's in a kind of a... I mean, you're in a similar position that we were, uh, kind of flirting with relegation, and it is exactly the character you need. Yeah, definitely. And if he's... There's players in there that we've got, the likes of Michelenko and things like that, who just aren't. I don't think they're Premier League players at all. But I think it'd be interesting that we, if we've got um, Ashley Young on the left, and then we've got Seamus Coleman covering for Nathan Patterson on the right, and probably got two of the oldest fullbacks in the league playing for Everton in a yeah, relegation yeah. scrap. You know, so that'll be interesting. So, what are your threats? I mean, who who should we be looking out for? I think now I, 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 this is the thing with Everton now. I mean, everyone. I think we've come up the come up the rails on the on the slide. Really, I mean, we brought in Arnold Anjuma. We brought in uh, Yusuf Chimiti. We're looking at Shea Adams from um, Southampton on right. a, on a permanent deal and stuff like that. I think the ones you'd be looking for really is. And I'm going to say this really weird, and you're probably going to laugh, but Tarkovsky, I think set pieces, set pieces, mate. Yeah, yeah. definitely, especially yeah, now with, with no Mings. You know, you know, yeah. I think if we can get if Calvert Lewin can give us sixty minutes, he'll be he'll be the biggest threat. Uh, Dan Juma, if he can if he plays if he starts, I think he is a is a bit like Leon Bailey. He's got that pace. He's got a shot on him. Um, you've got he's not he's not going to be fit. Uh, Dwight McNeil, but Onana, I think the height will, will benefit Everton at the moment because it's going to be yeah, key. Because I I must admit when uh, Mings went off injured and then you know you had time to reflect you, you're thinking oh I bet Sean Dyche's eyebrows went up when he's yeah. when he uh, when he heard that news because he's thinking right we can get at them there yeah we just throw everything at set pieces if we can if we can get enough free kicks and get enough um chances in and around the box there's no reason yeah. why we can't the aerial threat will be there because that that's all that's I think that's um that, that's Dyche's ace up his sleeve he's always there's always a bat, a ball played into the back to yeah. Tarkovsky to put back into the into the mix and cause trouble, but we just need someone in there who's going to cause more trouble, other than Neil Mopay. Mopay's not too bad, you know. He's good to pounce on the, the second ball. He is a, he is a bit of a fox, you know, when he's in the right team, and you know he's in he's kind of a niggly bastard as well to defend mm. against. He's a handful for sure, isn't he? He'll, he'll just keep going and he'll snipe around things, and it, it won't be for want of trying. No, it, I think it's just his confidence is just shot. You know, we brought him in as a last resort towards the end of the, the transfer window. And everyone was like, really? Do we really need to spend 15 million on this lad? Yeah. You know, and, you know, he's had he's had some big shoes to fill. He's had to come in and fill in for Calvert-Lewin and hasn't done it. And I think that's what the Evertonians have gone, well, what the fucking hell are we still playing him for? You know, give the likes of Tom Cannon, Lewis Dobbin, give the youth team a chance and see what they can do. Because there's players in that youth, our youth team. Tom Cannon went out on loan and to Preston. I think he scored like, eight goals in 12 appearances or something like that. So there was, there was goals about. It's just we shipped them all off to bloody Preston. Just quickly touching on the, the Fulham game, which is obviously a big disappointment. First mm. game at home. But but Leno had a pretty good game, didn't he? I mean, is that for Fulham yeah. goal? Could you could you uh, put it down to uh, him having a decent stay at the office? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think the chances that we had there that we... Any other time, you're probably putting them away. Yeah. Um, 
but the shots we were having were literally just fired straight at the goalkeeper. Right, you know, you look gotcha. at the one on the one on one with Decore, um, and Leno's got a great great touch to it. Yeah. The same with with Mopai, he's just hit it straight at the keeper when he's six yards out. And it's just being like, this is just going to be. You knew what was coming. You know, when you know you should be two 0 up at half time. Yeah. Then you go you go into the second half and you go, where they're going to nick a goal here, and that's the end of the game. Yeah, that's kind of what know? Fulham do, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think that that's the kind of Marco Silva side, isn't it? That the 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 quick on the break that um the the they they've got. I mean, I like that Anthony Robinson. I know he used to play for us. Yeah. But he didn't stop running, and then you've got the likes of Willian who. It, it, you know, he rolls back the years sometimes, you know. Yeah. And, um, I mean, to their credit, they're the team that got rid of Gerard from yeah. Villa when, when we went like, there and they beat us 3 <laughs> 0. Well, that, that probably helped you in a way, then, didn't it? So, yeah. you got you know, credit to thank, thank you, Fulham. So, sort of thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but but you're right about the, the kind of intensity and the speed they play at. It's, it's kind of quite impressive. You have to match them, or else uh, they're going to give you a tough afternoon. Yeah, which, which surprised me why Silva didn't try and do that when he was at Everton, whether he was scared to, or whether he was told not to, or the players that he brought in when of the caliber that he wanted. But he, he solidified that Fulham side in the championship. Yeah. And just made, and you know, yes, they finished tenth, but for the better part of the season, they were they were hanging around fifth and sixth, and in the European spots. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think mean, this I is think what you want from Everton, better. isn't it? You you want to be looked upon as like exciting against, like like Fulham are, like uh, Brighton are, you know, Brentford to a certain extent. I mean, there's no excuse not to be at least on that level in this league because I think we we always talk about it on the pod. Overall, the league isn't of that a higher standard that if you don't get your shit together you can't actually get top eight and you know that's what Everton need they just need some charismatic manager just to come in and you know Deitch is more pragmatic isn't he they're they're obviously thinking right let's make sure the dam doesn't break let's bring in Sean Deitch and let's hold this together and buy us some time here but I think with with Deitch though I I think he gets a I think he gets a bit of a bad rap I mean if you look at the 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 one game that just completely sticks out to all Evertonians and probably to a lot of people for last season is Brighton away. Yeah. When we were four nil up at half time, or sorry, three nil, was it three 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 nil up at half time? And you're thinking, where the hell's this Everton side been all season? <laughs> and you're like five one, and you go, shit, now, why why aren't we doing this every week? You know, why aren't we just putting this kind of intensity into our games? And I think we we just hit we hit Brighton, and they just didn't know what to do with it. And it was like we were expecting to go there and just get absolutely snotted. Yeah, you no, know, it was. It was I, I, I actually watched that game because obviously we had an interest in uh, how Brighton were doing, and you thought, "What the fuck's going on here?" Exactly. Then did you, you got beat by Southampton pretty quickly after that? Yeah, which, which sums it up. But we didn't have Calvert Lewin in the side, right? Gotcha. So when we've had Calvert Lewin in, and when he's been available, Arsenal are Arsenal at home when we won one nil again. Uh, Tarkovsky scoring and Brighton really the two games there where he's been available and was a threat throughout Are you the expecting him to start against Villa or do you think he'll come off the bench? I'd like to see him given at least he's got to start. I think if he's looked at if he's looked at anything like last week, he's gone he's got to give me sixty minutes. Yeah. I think the playing earlier in the week um against Man United and behind closed doors, he's he's stepping up his rehabilitation. I know they're not trying to rush him and they're not trying to force him back, but my God, we need we need him back. I'd, you know, even if you just wrap him in cotton wool for the best part of a week and just throw him out for 60 minutes and just make sure that as soon as that 60 minutes is gone, you're hauling him off the pitch. Yeah. And you're hoping the game is done or at least, you know, you, you're still in the game within a chance of getting something out of it where you can, 
you could bring on maybe Dobbin, maybe Tom Cannon, maybe Mopai. And you, you know, it's there's there's a lot to come from Everton, but it also it all hinges at the moment on Calvert Lewin. But then we've got to make um, more advances in the in the transfer window before the end of the month. Yeah, I think just to round off this game, uh, that is a, a key thing. If he plays any amount of minutes and Everton are in the game when he's on the pitch without Mings, I mean, I don't know if you know the Mings stat, but since he's been at the club, I think we've played 12 games without him and only won one. And he is, right, okay, so. <laughs> his influence is big just in terms of like leadership, but also just presence. And it, it just kind of instills confidence, even though we've bought, you know, we've spent like 30 million on Pau Torres. I'm not convinced at the moment because, you know, we haven't really seen him. Uh, well, we saw him against Newcastle, but, you know, we haven't seen him play a, a big enough sample size in the Premier League to know what he's all about. But yeah, he's also known as not the greatest header of the ball. He's more technically he's great and a great passer of the ball. And that's what he was bought for. So there's always an opportunity, I think, without Mings for your Burnley's and your Everton's, basically the same team, isn't it? <laughs> to, to get amongst it. Yeah, I, I, I'm just saying, um, we're just saying that now. So we're looking at getting that aerial threat in, aren't we? So Tarkovsky, Keane, Garnet, yeah. that, that's where we need to start looking and maybe the set pieces will go in our favour. So... So I'm not writing Everton off at all. I mean, uh, with with that said, uh, we we do a mom's pool panels results. So instead of predicting the score, it's just you know home win, away win, score draw, scoreless draw. So in terms of that, uh, what, what's your mom's pools panel result? Score draw, and I'll take I'll take I'll 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 walk away with a score draw right now. I'll be happy with that, given Everton's poor away record. Yeah, Chris. Home win. Yeah, I'm going to have to go for home win, but this, the Mings, this is the kind of game where you, where if you, you had Mings in the team, you're thinking, yeah, we should win this. But without him, they, they have the threats, I think, to, uh, as, as uh, Dave said, if they get enough set pieces, we, we could be in for a tough afternoon. Thanks, Dave, very much. It's an interesting time to talk about Everton, so thanks for coming on, just to give us a bit of uh, inside context, because it's one of the clubs you're always looking from the outside of the overall situation, whether you're calling them a blood sacrifice for your own personal gain or if you're just curious, uh, because we've been there as Villa fans, we know the territory. We got lucky in some respects and hopefully Everton will do as well. I mean, how how does the new stadium uh, sit at the moment? It, it's it's coming on. You know, uh, we, we're coming up to, we, well, we just passed the two-year mark that it, since it was getting built and I've been, there, been down there a few times and it's, it's phenomenal. It's going yeah. to be, you know, you you look at you look at Tottenham's ground, and you look at you know all the other stadiums around the world, and you just go. I think we've taken the best of everything right. and gone back what we need to put into good into the new Goodison. I keep calling it Goodison, the Bramley Moor Stadium, if you like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it I've, I've been down there a few times just to go and have a look and to see it just coming up on the on the skyline and and just coming up from the Mersey, it it's unreal. I mean, sorry, I haven't got a timeline on this. Is is it ready next season or is it season after? They're saying twenty four twenty five season, but we're probably looking likely to move in halfway through the twenty five twenty six season. I think at the moment, I right? Think gotcha. They're, they're saying, oh well, we'll we'll do half a season of Goodison, and then by the Christmas, I think of the twenty five season, we'll move in. I think. We, we've got we've got a bit of a decision to make whether it's saying do we move in halfway through the season or do we give Goodison its final swan song and give it you know that that final season yeah. and give it the proper send off it deserves. It's a bit, a bit like if you've moved from Villa Park, you know, you, yeah, you've got that yeah. decision to make to go. Well, do we move now or do we say this is our final season at a stadium that's been here for over a hundred years? 
and there's yeah. got so much history embedded in it. Do you do you move now, or do you just go right? Okay, that's it. We're done. Let's go move. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of emotion uh, in it, isn't there? Because some some stadiums, you like, you know, can't you can't wait to see the back of them because you're going to a new, improved thing. But you know, places like Villa Park, Goodison, it's a different story. It's it's very much the the kind of tapestry of the game. That's it. I think it's got to be. I think the what they need to do though is not put it in the hands of the fans. And make to make that decision. It's like it's got to be a business decision, right? Right. We are moving on January first, twenty twenty six. We are in the new stadium. Not oh well, half the fans want to go now. Half the fans want to stay and see it out. It's like no, big boy pants on now and make a proper business decision for the fans and for the club that you're moving. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like okay, everyone's on board with it now. Whether you like it or not, the club's made the decision, not the fans. Because you start doing that emotions start running and you start getting you know arguments and you get yeah yeah stuff like that it, it's not it's not ideal i think the the club needs to make the decision for the people and then i think everyone's just gonna go okay live with it but just on the subject of the um of of the the new stadium as well i just wanted i, I mentioned it to chris before tragically everton lost one of our own who was building uh, working on building Bramley Moore, Michael Jones. He's a yeah, yeah. Evertonian through and through. Uh, went to a lot of the away games and has tragically been uh, killed in an accident at, at the new stadium. Just a, a, a thank you for, from Evertonians for the work that the Villa uh, food banks have been doing to raise money through the Just Giving page for Michael's family. I think they've raised over like £20,000. And it's just incredible to see i know we're literally like the next game from yeah. from the incident and stuff like that but just to see that this transcends football this transcends a rivalry and stuff like that so it, it's almost like we, we were talking about this like that community within villa within the aston villa fans and the same with everton and their community it's like we've come together here to support a fan in the end and it's a fan a fan of the club and to, to a massive respect to the villa fans and the villa faithful for for putting this together and yeah, you know raising over yeah, i know uh, uh, dave, dave kelly isn't it who on the everton side of things has kind of really pushed uh the food bank situation along with uh spirit of shankly and liverpool and you know they've been yeah, yeah. been something that uh has brought fans together off the pitch yeah I, th- I think uh, I mean, we, we know we know what this country is like at the moment. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to go into politics and stuff like that, but yeah, the work that all the food banks are doing for you know throughout the country for football, for through the football and stuff like that, the work that they all do is just unreal. It's phenomenal. It it's such a dedication as well, and you know, it, massive respect to everyone who gets involved in it. Yeah, I, I echo those thoughts. I mean, it's it's a funny thing, uh, food banks, because about twenty years ago, you'd never use the term. Uh... No, not at all. Really, I mean, in a football context, uh, it never popped up, but now it, it, it's it, you know it, prevalent, it isn't, isn't it? That's it. It's it's the everyday word, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, it it that's the way this the way things are at the moment, and we just got to get on with it. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. All the best uh, for the season. Yeah, you too. Yep. And uh, you should be mid-table this season, surely. But but you've got time, <laughs> haven't you, to get get your get your house in order for no, uh, for the new stadium. There's 37 games to go, isn't there? So it's not like we're we're, in, we're not like we're panicking yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, losing against Fulham on the first day is not that bad. I mean, we've been losing against recently promoted teams on the first day for the last yeah. couple of seasons, and then Newcastle. We didn't. We weren't even bothered about that that result. It was more the Mings uh, and Buendia injuries because we know we can take Newcastle if we're on a game. I mean, we did it 
at Villa Park. And then uh, in the US, we were like 2-0 up within 15 minutes. And obviously, it was a friendly. So we, we kind of turned the afterburners off a bit. Yeah. But anyway, oh, anyway, yeah. thanks very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure, David. Thanks a lot. All right. So uh, Dave, though, went for the draw. We went for the win. That's normally what happens uh, on such predictions, isn't it? <laughs> it? It should do this time. They need to. When you're hoping as a as a team away that you're going to get something, you always go for the draw. And then in our position, we're we're bloody well hoping we win this game. We kind of we need we need to get need to get up and running. You're going into a, the playoff game against Hibs with a bit of doubt in your mind, rather than with a bit of uh, confidence in the uh, in the bank. Yep. Right. Final last words. Bring on the terrace view. <laughs> Let's see how many empty seats there are in the upper hole ten that they haven't sold. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.